Welcome back to another episode of Capes and Tights, a comic book and pop culture podcast. I'm Justin. That's Adam. I'm Adam. And uh, yeah, we are have Eliza Clark, showrunner, executive producer, all around great human being. I would like to say uh, on the episode today, uh, it was great, wasn't it? Fun, Adam. Oh, it was a lot of fun. Um, I mean, this is you know a big opportunity for us for kind of pop culture and the comic books coming together to talk to a showrunner of like a show that's right in that wheelhouse right now. So. It was great. Uh, she was honest and, and, and genuine, talked about the show, talked about a little bit about her, uh, how she got into the, the work that she's in, as well as a little like a surprise appearance from her daughter. That was pretty funny. It was real world. This is the show's a real world about doing comic book or uh, podcasting from home and Zoom. As Wait, you get these are real popping. people? Yes, exactly. And she has a real life that she lives. Uh, and so, and we touched a little bit on what's going to happen, hopefully, with a season two, if they find a new home and so on. So uh, it was a lot of fun. But be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Capes and Tights Podcast and on Twitter at Capes Tights Pod. And subscribe on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, all the other podcasting networks out there. Give us a like, share, tweet, retweet, whatever. Uh, and watch Why the Last Man FX on Hulu, a new episode comes out every month, or new episode next Monday. All the other episodes are available for streaming right now. And let's stream the hell out of this show because we love the yes. show and want a season two on a new network uh, real soon. So uh, yeah, enjoy the episode. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Uh, and uh, this is Eliza Clark, showrunner and executive producer of Why the Last Man on FX on Hulu. Welcome, Eliza. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Oh, we're happy to have you. So, uh, yeah, we're here to talk, uh, you know, a little bit of Why the Last Man. Um, but I really, we, we wanted to get to know Eliza a little bit. We want to know who you are and how you got to be where you are. Uh, first of all, we moved this recording a little bit. How was Disneyland? <laughs> it was uh, it was packed, but it was great. My kids were very happy, and I spent the last year working in Toronto on this show. I mean, they were with me, but it was they, they needed a little bit of like a... A little break, a little, a little time, you know, a little yeah, yeah. them time. So it was great. It was really fun. Uh, I was jealous. Cause I mean, obviously we live in Maine, so it's a little bit further away from Disneyland or Disney world. My mom is a huge Disney world fan. Like she is, she goes multiple times a year to Florida. I think that's one of the main reasons she likes my grandparents living in Florida is not because of them living in Florida, but because she can go to Disney world. <laughs> that's hilarious. One of my best friends from college is from a, their, their family goes like six times a year or something. Exactly. Yeah. And you know our weather and stuff like up here because you grew up in New England, right? I did. I grew up in Connecticut. Connecticut. My parents live in Connecticut. Look at that. Small nice. world, right? Nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so you are uh, the showrunner and executive producer. Is that what your total titles are? Or? Yes. Yes. That's of, what uh, really of Why the Last Man. Yeah. And uh, well, I've seen one person say you develop the show too. Is that technically what a showrunner does is develop the well, show? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I would be the creator of the show, but okay. uh, you know, the creator of this story is Brian and mm -hmm. Brian K. Vaughn and Pia Guerra. So when you do a, um, when you do an adaptation, it's called Developed By. Okay. There you go. Sure. So, but I mean, you know, Adam, uh, you, you said that you wanted to talk a little about about um you started somewhere else too like right uh eliza you were not obviously in in creating shows when you first started out you did playwright as well right i was adam? a playwright yeah I, yeah I started as a playwright yes okay. indeed uh, adam wanted yeah, to know a little so, bit more about that i'm taking over adam's little uh, intro here but adam wanted to know a little <laughs> bit more about that well I, I figure before we before we 
jump into why the last man. Um, no, I just thought it was interesting. Uh, so you, you went to Yale, correct? I did. Yes. I did. And did playwright playwriting there. And then also at, um, improvisational theater i've tried to think of <laughs> oh you've read my wikipedia yeah what's I, I just i that was the, just saw that one for the first time right before we logged on um well, it's funny my, because it hasn't changed at all since i was like 20 years old but yes i did i was in an improvisational co yep. comedy group yes <laughs> awesome i guess yeah. my question worth the, the the playwriting though is i i feel like for me the writing in, in why the last man which we're going to get to feels it feels different to me. And I, I, do you think that, that working in plays really informed your writing now starting working with plays? I mean, yeah, yes. I'm glad you feel like it's different. I hope it's different in a good way. Mm -hmm. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I've written for TV for the last 10, 10 ish, 12, 12 years. Um, so I definitely, you know, can write the short, scenes and the you know not a ton of dialogue kind of stuff but when I you know now I have my own show and so the stuff I like to watch is like really character driven and sure. um you know on our show there are a bunch of you know long scenes of dialogue where the turns are um you know they're turning on character moments um right. so yeah I mean I think that's a theatrical influence for sure. so that was exactly kind of what my question was because that's when i'd say it was really good i the dialogue's outstanding ah, and for thank me, you it's really the only thing i care that, about to be honest because like the, uh, so the dialogue's yeah. huge for me and, and i was joking with my wife before we were doing this today i'm, I'm a huge stephen king fan mm -hmm. and his dialogue and his characters are often outstanding but when it gets moved to like a movie it's just that basic story with none of the dialogue and none of the characters. And it really just always falls apart. So I felt like with the writing and why it was so dialogue driven and it, it worked, which is. I Thank guess, you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Well, I, you said you haven't read the book, right? I have not. Have, yeah. So, I mean, the dialogue that Brian wrote is also awesome. Um, and we, uh, we use some of it. Like I, I definitely, you know, we've, Brian and Pia gave us their blessing to sort of like go in a, you know, do, do our thing. Um, sure. But yeah, I mean, I'm definitely inspired by Brian's uh, dialogue as well. He's I, I am, I'm 43 issues in. Uh, it's hard to tell because when you do the, the, the trade paperbacks, you don't really know what issue you're actually at. Mm -hmm. uh, it's nice because they do have that at the very beginning of each uh, issue. There's that little black box in the middle that tells them like a year ago in this town or whatever. So, you know, when you're right. getting to a new issue, um, but yeah, I, I, I debated back and forth whether or not I should read the, the comic book before reading, watching the show or at the same time and so on and so forth. I feel like I got a lot out of it because of the fact that you are sticking to some of it, but you're also pulling from later issues to bring forward to the first season and all that stuff. But I do see that dialogue coming through, which is awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I think that the comic book uh, has such a fun kind of, awareness of genre and pop culture. And we're trying to have that in our show as well, while also sort of using, uh, I feel like we're in dialogue with the book as well. Oh boy. <laughs> Hello, that's okay. You're good. Uh, I don't know, I don't know. Okay. It's, in a, it's in a bag. I'm on a- Which bag? I don't, it won't ask, can you ask daddy or can you ask to look for you? 
I'm so sorry. You can see what fine. it's like to be a word. <laughs> exactly. I'm on a podcast. Okay. Go downstairs. <laughs> See, this is what you feel like for being those uh, uh, parents, that are the teachers that were also teaching from home during the pandemic. This is my daughter, Graham. She has been on many, many, many Zooms where we're talking <laughs> about like dead bodies and what they're going to look like. <laughs> yeah. okay. time, time, time to go. Yeah. Go ask daddy. He can help you find it. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> I hope you keep some of that in because. Oh yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go with we'll the whole keep all thing. Of it. Amazing. All right, sorry. Yeah. So I don't know what we were. No, it's great. No, I just so the dialogue came through for sure, definitely. But like, so let's back off from off from Why the Last Man for a second there too. But how did you get I me? Mean, you went from playwriting to you acted. Started you first acted right in Holly, in Hollywood, quote unquote. I did. I was a. I'm trying to. I'm trying to text my husband to come get You're our good. daughter. But um, sorry. Uh, isn't that great how we used to we do that now in the same household? We're now texting a person in the other room. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, sorry. So, hey. yes, I, did. I started as an actor. I was a child actor. Oh, there you uh, go. Which is, you know, its own form of fun. Um, and I did that for a long time. And then, you know, writing became the thing that I was okay. most excited by. Um, and, you know, I got to do a lot of theater and be behind the scenes of, you know, plays. And that was, you know, I just, I, at that point I was ruined for any kind of like real job. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you have a, I, I want to say this, I don't want to bring up too much, but you have a Hollywood, like a, I see use the word Hollywood. It's such a weird thing. A family. I mean, your brother is also an actor, right? Brother is an actor. Yes. And I am married. Yeah. your husband is a screenwriter and director, comic book writer. And then your, yeah. his, his brothers are also in Hollywood as well. Indeed. Indeed they so are. You lived that whole lifetime. The whole life right now is just based on writing, directing, acting, all that stuff right now. <laughs> yeah. It's a wild thing. Yeah. I mean, uh, we were just at Disneyland with, um, Jed and Marissa who okay, created, yeah. uh, and show ran agents of shield. Mm -hmm. So, you know, yes, those, that's my brother and sister-in-law. So and, you, have a, uh, you have a whole lifetime. You're all, everybody around you right now is basically in Hollywood, right? <laughs> indeed. Yes. Except for my parents who are in Connecticut. My mom teaches figure skating and my father is a salesman. So, there you go. Awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, so as we go on to why the last man, so um, how did you get into why the last man, like not just get, obviously get the job as a showrunner, but like you were connected to this prior, you were had a love for this prior to doing the show, yeah. right? I am. Um, so when I first moved to LA, I was working on a show called Rubicon, which was like the third show that AMC did after Breaking Bad and Mad Men. And it failed spectacularly, but um, it was, um, but it has a lot of, and by a lot of, I mean like five or six really great fans. Um, it, uh, and I met my husband on that show. He was also writing on it and he gave me, he had read some of my plays. Um, and at that point in my life, I was writing a lot of speculative fiction, um, sure. you know, sort of sci-fi plays. And mm -hmm. he, uh, he was like, I think you would really like this based on your writing. We were still friends at that moment. So he gave me like the complete series of why the last night it had just ended. It was 2009. Uh, when he gave them to me. And so I was like obsessed with it at the time in part because I was, you know, 
I like had a crush on him. So I was like reading, reading it, like, what's he trying to tell me? Um, and, uh, yeah. And I loved it since then. And at that point I was like, oh, I can't wait to see the Shia LaBeouf movie that, uh, where he plays Yorick. It, it, uh, it definitely was a great series. Like now that I'm reading it now, thinking back to when it was actually written, when Brian K. Vaughn and Pia Guerrero were working on it, it was great then, but I feel like it almost it's more for this time that we're in now. Like, I feel like the, the way the characters are and some of the things that are brought up and talked about are more current. Like it works better now. Like it's almost good that it took so long for this show to actually get put on air. Cause it almost feels like it's more acceptable now uh, in a weird way. I'm not saying it wasn't acceptable then, but I'm just saying, I feel like people are more open to the subjects that are brought up on the show. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad for many reasons and not the least of which is that I get to be the person who makes it. Obviously that part of it is good for me, but um, I also think that, you know, the show has a sort of um, has a wider uh, understanding of gender and Mm -hmm. chromosomes and the fact that those two things are not the same um, in ways that I think are exciting and can be about, you know, all of the characters and all of the exciting stuff that's happening in the comic book, but can sort of take it to another level. Um, So I think that's cool. I mean, people, yeah, I think that, I think that we are talking about a lot of really interesting stuff in our world right now. And, you know, some of the ways that I think that the show kind of breaks down identity and asks questions about, you know, who you were before the event and, and who you become and, what a world could look like without systems of oppression, but also, you know, illustrating the ways that women in particular also do uphold white supremacy, patriarchy, things like that. Right. I think all stuff that we're talking about, um, you know, I get a lot of uh, guff on Twitter from some, you know, yes, get a lot of stay, what is it? Go, go woke, go broke or something. Yep. I get that yes. a lot. Yes, I yes. saw that one. I think that was the one I saw you. you you've uh, either retweeted it and, and commented back on it. Uh, we're saying that like because because we will get to this too, talking about it, but that there hasn't been you weren't renewed for a second season. I will say I hate to say the word canceled because. Well, yeah, I mean, I think I'm I'm very hopeful we're gonna find another home. And, so. and that's yeah. the thing. It's like one of those when you say the word canceled. If you actually look uh, uh, on online, some of the, like the news thing, it just says like why the last man canceled, canceled, canceled. I'm like no, you weren't renewed for a second season because it can continue. So canceling yeah. means it's gone yep. forever. Whereas you know it just it doesn't have a second season yet. But it doesn't have a second uh, season yet, and it also is still airing. Like it yes, will still air. Ab- yes. like, I feel like in the traditional sense is like they yank it and then you don't see it anymore. We are still airing. Right. Awesome. But yes, and, no, I did. I did tweet that and then said I was going to put it on my neck and tattoo. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Which is kind of funny in the same way where it's like, so I work for a company that um, has values that really are, are, are stick to my values mm-hmm. as well. And we had um, uh, the first lady before she was the first lady. Uh, uh, came to our restaurant and, and did an event during the pandemic, a small, quiet, quiet, closed event. And the number of people who just villainized us for having this person come to our restaurant mm. and, and, and uh, stump for, for, for uh, President Biden. And I was laughing because I'm like, all these people don't understand. They don't know who we are as people. You don't know how we already are. Like if yeah. you're complaining about right. what's going on on the TV show and you, you obviously didn't know what the comic book was about in the first place, 
if this is where you're actually starting to to complain about it is is eight episodes into the show. <laughs> well, yeah. Also, I mean, the idea that why the last man the comic book isn't about gender or identity is Correct. like insane to me. I, you yes. know, like I just yes. that's like, what are you talking about? Yes, it is. Yep. When you said that you had the first lady, I thought you were talking about Melania Trump, and I was like, no. oh, "Okay, what's going no, no, no. on?" Sure. I mean, I mean, I was, I wanted to say, so we were funny about it because we had the second lady, technically the former second lady, right? Jill, and Jill, Dr. Jill. Biden, and then we have now the first lady or of the, you know, sure. yes, Dr. Biden. You're correct. Um, right. uh, a lot of it is when I say Dr. Biden, a lot of people just I didn't realize that she was a doc. It was this whole thing, but. Um, it's so, what I will say is I didn't want to spoil my be doctors. That's what they're thinking. Yeah, exactly. And then we dealt with all of that. Don't worry. We dealt with sure, all sure. that. We, we dealt with all the people. Here's the deal. The people probably complaining to you on Twitter are people who don't even watch the show. Like, yes, I think that's true. And also like, I actually, most of the people that I talk to on Twitter are very excited about the show. So I don't want to, you know, yep. but it, it is interesting. Like I am not a person who has, I haven't had a social media presence in like really ever. Um, and I dipped my toe in and it is like, a, it's an intense world, especially as a woman. I was like, whoa, one well, person, you're... one person said, I don't want to see that many women on a, sh on a show unless it's on Pornhub. Oh. Wow. Yeah. Which doesn't surprise me with the internet. Cause it's everybody sitting behind a computer with no, uh, no filter and no repercussions to what they're saying. And we've yeah. been taught this over the past couple of years with uh, a former president of ours who says whatever the hell they want on the internet too. And it causes problems. So if there is this feel like they're an the anonymity they have behind the computer of being able to say what they want to whoever they want. Um, and I didn't want to spoil the show at all, but I guess like, I want to get into the nitty gritty of this too. Let's do it. Let's do I, it. I, I think, so we watched, uh, I was, it must've been episode. We're on episode nine today where we're recording this on a Monday. So it comes out on Tuesday, but uh, episode eight, when it was basically someone complaining about the fact that, it's called Why the Last Man. There wasn't any men in the episode because York wasn't present in the episode and everybody was complaining. It was like, oh, it's a really way to, you know, cheap out and not pay the main actor his money because he's not in the episode, not knowing however how Hollywood works and how these shows work. Um, but I did like the fact that it didn't jump fully and it was this group of people who hate men, right, in their, you know, in yeah. their lives. And there's still the people in there who, a hero, for example, who doesn't want to speak ill because the men in their lives were good people to them. And I said, like, to me, it was like seeing both sides that was good, that it was like this world that now no, had, no longer has men in it uh, would be very easy for all the women to just complain about the men because they're not there anymore. Like, no matter what. Yeah, well, also, I mean, not to mention the fact that there is a man in the price max. Yes. Sam, Sam yes, is there exactly. until he leaves. Exactly. He's like, this place is nuts. Um, yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I uh, my point of view about what the show is trying to say is that uh, the world needs all of us, that it's yes. not, yep. um, that it, it, it isn't anti anything really. I mean, it's anti-oppressive systems, I would say that, but it's not, you know, I think anyone can be part of the problem. And one of the things we talked a lot about in the writer's room um, while we were writing season one is that image that was in the New York Times um, from the Women's March. And it has, the, you know, the three white women on the car and the black woman in front of them that says white women voted for Trump on her sign. Um, you know, I think like white feminism is a problem. Like that's something that we're yep. talking about with the show too. And, uh, and ultimately I think anyone can kind of be part of the problem, but anyone can be a part of the solution too. So it, the, the point of view of the show, I mean, there's a line in episode seven where Sonia says, 
I don't know, maybe hell isn't other people. Like, I think that's the point of view of this post-apocalyptic show that right. yes, there are, there is depravity and evil in this world, but it is not, this is not a show where it's like the human beings are the real monsters. Mm-hmm. Like this is a show that has, that, you know, wants to find the way forward and like a, a better world and all of that stuff. So. Adam and I talked a little bit too uh, a couple weeks ago when we t- started watching the show is that it opened my eyes a little bit. I mean, I- I'm a white male. Like my life is pretty easy. Like let's be, let's be honest. My life is actually pretty easy as a white male in the United States of America. I, I won't, won't deny that um, to show that like it brought to my attention way more, a-, a-, a fake show, a show about not real life, a fiction show was able to bring to my attention more of that, that, you know, there isn't equality in this world you know, whether it be gender, whether it be, uh, whether it be race, whether it be anything that it opened my eyes and saying to myself, oh yeah, what would happen? Like, I never thought about that. When would I have ever thought about what happens if all the men would die? Like who, who in their lifetime other than reading this comic book uh, would ever think that, what, what, what would happen if all the men died? They, you guys bring up on the show that the, the airplane issue, like, and it mm-hmm. talks about it on the comic book too, about how like most pilots are men and how a lot of these big fortune 500 companies are run by men and all these different things. Oil, and heating and electricity and all that stuff run by men. So like, what would happen to this world without it? And it took, like, it opened my eye. It made me a better person just watching the show because it made awesome. me think. It made me think about those bigger world issues that I would think. I mean, it's obviously not going to happen. Like, not, we had a pandemic yet. I don't know what could happen. But like, in my lifetime, likely all the men are still going to be here. So, but what can we do to change the world that we're in and not have all the men die, but just have things change to the point where it's more equality for women and, and genders and all that stuff. Well, I think also it's, it's not even, it's not even just that, you know, there's inequality, gender inequality in the workplace, but also that the world has been run by uh, cis men for so long that, you know, it's run in a way that isn't necessarily thinking very much about the future. Like, the way that we deal with climate change or not deal with it at all, the way that we deal with infrastructure or not deal with it at all. Um, you know, all of those problems create problems for the people who survive in this world and how exactly. they're going to, you know, it, it, it's people are kept out of, you know, STEM jobs, for example. Um, but it's not even, even there are, there are plenty of like people who are not, you know, uh, who are not cis men who can, yep. who are engineers, but when there's a million problems to solve uh, at the same time, you're going to have a trouble sort of getting it all done right away. So the world will, can continue to look better and better, but for the moment that we're in, in the first season, it is, you know, it's apocalyptic because of the way it's been run prior to this. Moment. And I, that was going to say, it was where I feel like you hit, it's, the systems were built for a very specific group of people, which we mean white men. And I I think one thing we've seen is that it's, then there almost has to be this dismantling of that system, which is equally as challenging as trying to live in the moment of, you know, the events of why the last man. And that was another part I thought was done so well is really, it's not, it isn't like, oh, this is a clean break. Now we can just do things differently. You have to dismantle all of these systems that have already been put in place, like you said, that don't work for this new world and who lives there. So totally. I think that's but a really... Also, then you also have people like, you know, Amber Tamblin's character, Kimberly, who yes. 
is doing, you know, who has gained all of her power in the world before from her proximity to men. And she yes. is not interested in equality and she is not, she's all she wants is yep. to bring back is to have the patriarchy alive and well, because she gets power from it. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that's an important, uh, that was an important part of the show for all of us in the writer's room. I think so much of what we've been talking about in the last couple of years is the way that, you know, the ways that our identities intersect are important and, and people have to bring all of themselves and, you know, the, the privilege you gain from certain parts of your identity, uh, you know, has to be used for good or else it, it will only uh, perpetuate systems of oppression. And this is why men on Twitter yell at me because I say yes. things like systems of oppression. <laughs> yep. Which is, yeah. again- They being... probably have it set to like give them a, a notification if that if that pops They're up like, on They're like, oh, Twitter. that bitch is talking I'm, again. I'm on it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's just funny the way I was, I mean, I was brought up in a Christian home and obviously had these values and it wasn't until I hit about 21, 22 years old where I realized that I could think of myself. Not that my parents- ever like forced me to think a certain way, but I just felt like my parents were the people that knew everything the best in my life. Obviously as a kid, you want to think that. And obviously I have different opinions than them now. And so I never thought about trans or not being a white male and having the, the success that I've basically been able to get basically because I was a white male um, mm-hmm. is that when this happened and the scene, like I said, I started watching the, the show and then picked up the comic book. So I obviously didn't know some of what was going on, but the scenes when I found out when they, the, the, the trans man, the, what would the you already it's already difficult for trans people as it is right now in the world if all of a sudden out of nowhere the people you you blend in with mm-hmm. are no longer there anymore and now it's obvious oh my gosh all these uh you know cis women are around and i am now look like this male like what the hell what's going on now you have to explain your whole story over to every single person you see i can't imagine how difficult that would be to be that person i just can't even i can't grapple with that in my mind how difficult that would be to explain to every single new person you meet that you know uh yeah that i am a you know trans person and this is how i am yeah. this is who i am and what i believe in who i am and so on i just I, it, it, again it made me think I, I don't know if i've thought this deeply about a show uh, in a long time that's awesome uh, well yes. i'm so glad i mean i think that there's something really exciting about um when you, you know, I think so many heroes are men, straight, cis, white men. Um, And, you know, I don't know, for example, like the experience that I had watching Black Panther was so exciting to me. I was like, oh, look at all these people that I'm like, I am, I am uh, identifying with characters who aren't the, the white guy I always am taught that I have to yeah. identify with, you know, like I grew up watching Indiana Jones and all, you know, Jurassic Park, like those yep. are the characters that I, you know, I, I don't see a lot of cool women on screen. I mean, more so recently, but yeah, anyway, I, I think it's, I think it's exciting to have a show. I mean, that's the other thing that annoys me about the, like, you know, people complaining about Yorick you know, Yorick isn't the hero. 355 is the hero. You're just taught to think he's the hero because when you look at a show and you see a straight cis white man, you're like, that's the hero. You don't even look at the the black woman who's standing next to him, who's clearly the protagonist. You know, I think that, um, anyway, I think it's an exciting adventure story for you to have those thoughts about, you know, hopefully you're like in it and you're in it within the story and you're like, 
oh my gosh, all of a sudden the people I'm identifying with don't look like yep. me. That's exciting. I I thought it was just that you said that this just, just this morning, my wife and I were talking because Justin and I had been working on another podcast and we brought up Marvel and all the movies and the progression. And I was like, yeah, I was trying to decide when I was really getting into it, what movie. And I said, I forget what I said, but for my wife, it was Black Panther. She was, and she immediately, just like you, she was like, that was the first one that I cared about. And that's when I started really watching the movies. So I think it's interesting, like you said, that that's the difference is you start seeing people that have an experience that's similar to yours and different from that white male yeah. dominated experience. And I just, that the two of you both latched onto that is. I, I Black think Panther is awesome. Yes. It is awesome. awesome. Yeah, it's also it's an awesome in the same way. I think that into the spider verse, the animated film, you know, I, I really wish in a sense that could have been a live action film because it's very important for mm -hmm minorities to see someone like them become spider-man as well instead of it just being white peter parker seeing miles yeah. morales as spider-man is a huge thing to see and i see it all the time i, I listen to um kevin smith and mark bernardin's podcast fat man beyond and, he, and mark bernardin uh, always speaks about how it's amazing to see someone like his kids to see themselves yeah. on screen as black panther or those people and this is a big thing i mean i don't watch very many shows that deal with characters that are trans in the first place so like i don't see that so having a show that has that or having your main character yep. ashley is kicking ass oh like, ashley Roman? Is, yeah, yes she's unbelievable yeah she's like a, i she's a major she's a star like yeah, i, I of, like should be a marvel superhero yes i yep. want her to stay and do you know why the last man first but you know of in the off season she should be a marvel superhero uh, you know or whatever I, else she wants to be she's unbelievable <laughs> Exactly. And I just think she is the main character to me. She did even, you know, I don't, I don't, other, other people see it. The name of the show or the comic book does throw that off because it does seem like why the last man, you're like, oh, it's about the storyline of being the last man on earth and all this other stuff. Um, yep. But, you know, obviously it's if for the future of society on this earth, you know, having a male, you know, be able to procreate or figure a way to, you know, move this along uh, is a big storyline, but it is about the people who are left over. It's about, government like and i think that one thing you do on the tv show a little bit better than the the, the comic book did is deal a lot more with the government part of it because you look at the world right now and obviously right now we're luckily you know again this is something that doesn't track back in 2000 2003 it tracks better than it does now because if the president would have died where our president would have been the vice president like the benefit we would have had right now would it wouldn't have gone down yeah. that far on the totem pole uh, bad bad terminology there i should not use that word but down on the poll uh is that fact that we would have a female vice president become president uh, back in 2002 it was different obviously it would have gone down a little bit further um but it, you know seeing that government part of it too and seeing how they react and interact and all that and i will say it's just on that subject speaking of the last episode i think it's when i also like the realism that people in post-apocalyptic shows a lot of times you see people do crazy things right that's part of the whole thing to try to survive uh, and a lot of people do it with ease. So there's these people out there that just like kill people and that's, they, they can just do that now. Um, seeing in the last episode, again, spoiler if anybody hasn't seen episode eight or yeah, eight, nine, nine came out today, eight. right? Eight. eight. You're talking about Roxanne, right? Uh, no, I'm actually talking about the uh, military, the, the invasion oh, of the yeah, Pentagon, and she kills what's her face. I can't think about it. not yeah. the, the president. The person who wants to be the president. Um, yes. And yep. she pukes. Yeah. And it's like, 
that she knew she had to do this to prove a point, but like she wasn't happy that she had to do that. And that to me was like the realism of what would actually happen. Like if I had yep. to kill someone in post-apocalyptic world, I would not be okay with it. Like there's some people that are okay with it. I mean, Roxanne deals with it and she moves on. She ends up being okay with killing people. But you uh, see, but you also see her figuring that out, you yes. know, like, and the, and the sort of traumatic stuff that happens to her that creates that. And then, you know, she's a character who I think has, you know, who has something inside of her even before the event yes. that obviously makes her, you know, I wouldn't say that she's, she's a hero. No. Um, but yeah, no, the moment where Malika uh, pukes, I love that moment. I mean, I, I think it's yep. so um, it's, I think it's so important because I also think that those, those people, the, you know, Beth's group of insurrectionists yep. are not, yep. they don't necessarily have the wrong idea. Like they're no. basically saying, you know, the women in the Pentagon are upholding a system that wasn't built for us. Mm -hmm. You know, they're upholding yep. a constitution that was written by slave owners 300 yep. years ago who didn't think that women were people, essentially. Mm -hmm. And so what are we doing here? You know, and I think the women inside the Pentagon are like, well, all we can do is fix the first problem in front of us. You know, we just yep. fix the problem and then there's another problem and we fix that. But the problem is, problem with that is that chaos keeps us in systems you know like mm -hmm. chaos makes you kind of go all right well we just have to stick with this for as long as we can and then maybe someday we'll have time to breathe and we can think about how to make a better world and the people who are coming in you know beth's group they're like listen we can't you know this world is not going to get better until we start over um and that might be a sort of a naive uh point of view at least i'm sure jennifer would think that's a naive point of view um but it's not necessarily wrong you know and so i i we wanted to have malika feel like a character who yes she does this sort of horrific thing but she doesn't she's not relishing it she's not enjoying killing um and she's doing it because she thinks it's the only way forward Yep. And whether or not she's right about that is up for debate. Mm -hmm. um, but hopefully it makes you think about something. You know, that's the that's the hope. And I think yep. that's what it is, because I think there is this, I've always had this mentality of that people who do bad things, um, like in these shows or books or movies, post-apocalyptic things, you see people who do bad things, they've always had that in them, but mm -hmm. something has triggered them to actually let it out. So someone who kills someone has always had the ability to kill someone, yep but something inside them has let them out. Um, you know, so, you know, what January 6th, all the people who stormed the Capitol have always had the ability to do that something, but someone or something let that out and it happened. And it showed that, but there's also the people who do it because they know they have to, but mm -hmm. have bad feelings about it. And that's what you see in that scene is just like immediately she does it. She fixed, it was just turn around, shoot, bang, done. The person's now dead on the ground. And then she's like, oh my gosh, what did I just do? Puke. And then again, flips again and goes, this is what needs to have to happen to know that this has to go this far and so on and so forth. Um, it just was a, I, again, that was the one, not only thing, but one of the big things that stood out in that episode uh, for, to see that. I, don't, I never like to see people yeah. puke because it always makes me want to puke myself, but like Listen, <laughs> it was worth it I, in that scene. For whatever scene. reason, I, I, there are multiple things, multiple puking moments that got cut from the se from the season because there were lots of, I mean, I, I, the cast would make fun of me because I would always be like, 
everybody pukes. That's the, that's what the show is about. No, I, you know, and to your thing about January 6th, like, I think that there, what's interesting about that is I'm sure there are people who participated in that insurrection who, uh, who did have that in them or whatever. Yes. But I yeah. also think that group think and like mm-hmm. not mentality is real and that human being, you know, uh, human beings, if you watch footage from that, it's like the, mo- the, the, uh, the crowd is moving as an organism and it's yep. like, you lose your humanity when, when you get sort of put in this situation. So yes, maybe Roxanne is a person who has this inside of yeah. her, but like those women that she is kind of Correct. bringing into her cult, like, I don't know that they're killers, but I think that right. they, you know, they now are moving as a group and they're, they're getting their, um, sort of the affirmation and their sense of self and all that stuff from the people around them. And the, their group is telling them that this is okay. And that's really, it's interesting. I was just thinking, as you were saying that when I was watching it the other day, that a lot of times I think now post-apocalypse people think of zombies right away. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting, I think though, what I really love about why the last man, like you said, with group think is, you know, zombies always kind of are the stand-in for our fears of group think and, so I think when you see now when it's when it's actually people acting out like very human emotions, it's in on many ways, I think way more terrifying and because you've taken that filter out. But I, I think it's also like it's it's done really well in the show how just absolutely complicated it would be to deal with that group think, but also to be dealing with this like, you know, very real day to day situation. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I think that we, uh, that, that grayness, you know, like the, that people aren't all bad or all good. I mean, I think redemption is a huge part Mm -hmm. of what we're talking about, especially like in Marisville. I mean, you have this group of people and they, um, you know, they were in prison. They were not let out of prison. They had to break their way out. So, you know, and some of them did really horrific things. And, you know, I think what the show is trying to show you is that not necessarily like it's perfect. I think that's why you have that little, like, you know, they're all dancing and then a fight breaks out and they have to do it. Like, it's not a utopia, but these are people, they're human beings and redemption, I think should be something that we are striving toward like that you don't that that the worst day a person has is not the only day a person has um and so you know the same is true in the other groups like you know it's why kimberly you know amber's character has that moment in the bathroom with christine where you know she's like goes from uh goes from blackmailing her to to taking off her own like scarf and wiping up yeah. her blood like mm-hmm. the, you know she's she's a person she's lost everything um you know her inability to grieve the death of her children is hardening inside of her and making her um capable of really scary things uh but ultimately it's it's that i mean it's it's she's not evil yeah. she's mm. got you know she should cry and then maybe she'd feel better. <laughs> it's funny how Adam, you mentioned the zombies thing. Cause uh, you know, when watching the scene where they're out in front of the super, the supermarket and they're shooting, my mind yep. immediately went to me being a huge walking dead fan and watching that show for 11 seasons and reading the comic books over and over and over again was like, what are they thinking? A horde's going to go. 
Oh, like yeah. immediately went, went like the zombies are gonna come. What are they? Oh wait, there's no zombies. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Let's just get past that right now. Post-apocalyptic shows do not have to feature zombies. And even that, Adam, before we started recording, said uh, uh, before you joined us, it's like it's technically more like in apocalyptic, like not post. Like it's still, it's like almost it's like it's happening. They're not recovering from it. It's still going on. Like it wasn't that long ago that this happened. I know in the comic book it moves fairly fast. I mean, I feel like it's not because I'm reading it all at once. So it's like. I wasn't waiting month to month to have these issues come back, but like, it seems like years pass pretty quickly um, from things happen in the comic book, whereas it seems like it hasn't gone that long uh, in the show. And so um, yep. it is kind of like in apocalypse, not post apocalypse. I know, I I know it means the same thing, I, but like, I read like a summary on a website or something, or I was when I was reading up before this and it was like, Oh, you know, and something about post. And I was like, it is post apocalyptic, but like, it really is like it's happening like right in the moment. So I feel like even that's kind of a different thing. It, it, it isn't like it isn't a tropey thing because it's not just focused post-apocalypse. It's actually in the happening apocalypse, which maybe I made way too much of, but it's no, I mean, important I at the time. The, the, the characters in this show are enduring an ongoing change. Yes. Yep. yes. Yeah. I mean, I always say it's post-apocalyptic only because I don't want people to feel like it's about a pandemic, an ongoing pandemic. Yes. Who wants to watch that? I do not. Um, you know, it's an event that happens and then it's the aftermath of that event. At the same time, yeah. I mean, I think that the show in future seasons will employ bigger time jumps. I felt oh, like sure. in the first season, it was exciting to see these people sort of you you met them before the event and you understand the sort of small things in their daily lives that are driving them and then you know in the first half of the season especially they are clinging to whoever they were before hoping to find some way to get back to that as the world is changing around them and then by the end of season one they have accepted either for better or for worse, but they've accepted that that world's not coming back and they are transformed into something new again, for better or for worse. But, um, you know, I think there are some characters who are becoming better versions of themselves and many characters who are like, Oh, now I'm unleashed, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, so that's, I think that's why the, the first season has that sort of tight timeline. And I, um, I like the 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 thought process on when I watch because I said I don't want to compare this to Walking Dead because it's not. I'm just thinking in my mind because the shows that I like that that in the beginning of the shows or the or the books of Walking Dead they want the 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 cure so they get their people back. So like if you know like there's uh, you know on the show for example of Walking Dead they keep the the walkers in a barn thinking that that sometime they're going to be able to cure those people and bring them back. It is this interesting part of why the last man. It's like these people know that like. The people they have lost, they have lost. They're not getting those people back. And so they are now, some of them are looking towards the future. So like, you know, Dr. Mann is helping trying to find a way to get, you know, uh, York and the monkey to, to ampersand to, to, to the West coast and so on. But like that they're gone. There's no, there's no like cure for this. Like there's not an immediate fix. If you want the world to be back to uh, having all your kids back, this is not going to happen. Like they're past yeah. that. They have to now yeah. just live in this world with try to figure things out. And I understand some of the stuff that Diane Lane is dealing with that. She's just trying to hold the boat afloat. Like it's like trying to do whatever she can to think about what's going on in the current moment, because they know they need some sort of continuity to government to, to, to you know, succeed. And maybe they are thinking about what way things were run in the past 
but sometimes just to get through what they're doing, we're dealing with at the moment, they have to just go through and move forward with things. A hundred percent. I mean, you have to, you have, you can't, you know, I think what's exciting about it is that you can see both sides of it. I mean, mm-hmm. I think Jennifer Diane's character is, you know, a person who probably her entire adult life has been like, I want to be the president mm-hmm. and I can't wait till I'm the president. And then I can do all the things that nobody else has been able to do that really matter to me. And then she, you know, gets what she wants in the worst circumstances. And, you know, there's too many problems to fix all of them. Um, She's going to have to make terrible choices. And then on top of that, her son is alive and she, and suddenly she has to become the kind of president who lies, you know, which I don't think is something that she wants to be, but she, you know, she makes the decision that it's safer for everybody for him to stay a secret. And whether or not she's right about that, that's the decision she makes, you know? Um, And, you know, I think you can feel, I think you can understand, I, at least I understand the frustration of the other people in the Pentagon being like, you should have fucking told us, sorry. No, you're good. Um, and, uh, and then I can also understand the frustration of people like Beth and Malika who are like, you know, these people are living in a fortress. <coughs> Sorry. It's not COVID. <laughs> it's Disney. <I> did... <coughs> it's the talking a lot. That's what it is. I did it to me earlier. Yeah. Yeah. They're living, you know, they're living, they had to make decisions. So, you know, we decided that the, the Pentagon, you know, the, the white house falls, they're living in the Pentagon it can, you know, 20,000 people work in the Pentagon in our day and yeah. age. Uh, there's 5,000 people living and working in the Pentagon in the, in the show. Um, and they've sort of locked it off and it's a, and they're doing that because they have to, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's not great optics, you know, that you've got people, the 5,000 people that have been deemed important kept in this fortress while people outside starve. So, you know, and I don't know what you do instead. I mean, I think Jennifer has every reason to be like, we are doing our best. At the same time, I think the people outside have every reason to say, well, we're burning it down because this isn't it, you know? And the the, the York thing is like, Jennifer has to make that decision, a split decision. It's not like one of these things that she can like have a committee and people. And she's like, she has to make this like really split decision to to say whether or not she tells anybody or doesn't tell anybody. Uh, is not something that's like, it's not a decision to like, should we attack this place? A big people, like this is like a big thing that either someone knows or doesn't know. And she makes the decision. Either way, she made the decision. Someone would have complained about it. There's no, you know, if and or but about that. Like someone would have had a problem with it. It's the same thing with whether or not you went and killed all women in the world and made it all about men. Someone would have complained about it. Someone's going to complain about something somewhere. Uh, and it makes it also the proof of how difficult being the president could be as well that some of these decisions you have to make are you know split second decisions and so uh i can understand i could feel for her why she would i could also feel the the blame you put on yourself how am i the only lucky person in the world that have my son still um and when so when that interaction happens and she's like my son are dead like i can understand the like you like how lucky am i that my son's still alive but everybody else's sons are dead and so I can see that deal too um, on that. I think there's a lot of survivor's guilt for all of these mm-hmm. people. Yeah, yeah, I mean, for sure. And I think that she knows if she's gonna, if she brings up that York is alive, that people will have that reaction. Mm-hmm. 
So. And she's president and her son's alive. Like, okay, where's the, you know, yeah. again, conspiracy well, think, on that. And so it's on. just an optic you can't get out from behind no matter what happened. Um, yeah, I, I, another thing I was actually thinking is um, I meant to bring up earlier, I, I, a lot of attention to detail um, to what would happen in a crisis like this, like how quickly things would escalate. And the only one I thought, I, I think you tweeted a while back about during your research, you'd read about the, the situation with trucking as, I'm obsessed with trucks. <laughs> yes. So I, at some point saw a documentary about that too. And like that to my, my wife all the time, I'm like, you don't understand if trucking goes down, like we're done, we're done in like 48 hours. And so when you tweeted that, I felt validation that I wasn't crazy. No, you're not crazy. I mean, I, uh, yeah, the economy runs on trucks in a way that is terrifying. I mean, and I mean, it's it. Brexit created a huge problem for the trucking industry in Great Britain, and now mm -hmm. you know they've had huge supply chain problems there. Um, yeah, essentially, like a city would run out of food in three days. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah. yeah, it's not great. It's not great. No. And ninety three percent of truck drivers are men. But yes. also, even without that, like the highways are choked with cars and their planes fall out of the sky. Like it is not, you know, the, I, I, I get a little bit of like, you know, I think people who don't, who haven't like engaged fully with the show are like, but women would be great at running the world. And it's like, well, first of all, the survivors are not all women. So there's that. But second right. of all, uh, it's, I'm sure. I think women make excellent leaders. The, yes. The problems though were created by the world that we currently live in. And uh, there's a lot of problems to be solved. You know, Absolutely. it's gonna take a little bit of time to put the world yes. back Um I do think that, you know, to finish, finish up about season one too, but I do think that um, uh, the way that you had portrayed the starting of the Amazon, like the 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 app that first of all, I think that might be one of my favorite episodes so far. Honestly, is the one that's basically uh, Roxanne's episode in a sense. Like it's just yeah. the old, but um, the beginning of that Brian cave on the, the great. Obviously, the comic book's amazing, but I do think that I do like the adaptation uh, of the book, like reading the book and now seeing the show. Um, but seeing this whole storyline and how they became the Amazons, which. I'm trying to write, I've read reading the book. We don't really find out yet, at least in episode four, or issue 43, how they actually started the Amazons, right? In the comic book. Yeah, I don't think it ever really gets answered. I mean, it, essentially in the comic book, uh, they show up fully formed. Yes. And the woman who's in charge of it is named Victoria. And she is a sort of a chess champion who never got her due. And she's a little bit of a, you know, she's sort of a... Um, early aughts, like a uh, man-hating feminist kind of a vibe. Um, and Hero is when, you know, you, you meet Hero in the first like two pages and then mm -hmm. the next time you see her, she's an Amazon. And there's mm -hmm. not a lot of explanation for why. Right. And then later they kind of do a few flashbacks where it's like she was starving, Victoria took her in yeah. all that stuff. So, you know, for me, that worked. It totally worked for me in the comic book. Like mm -hmm. I don't need to have, that exp I, I, I bought it, you know, in the world of the book. Um, but it just, to me in the world of the show, it just felt like a really important, A, I wanted Hero to be a character who we at least could, that we could identify with and understand. Um, and Nora as well. And then to sort of have, and Sam, 
and Mackenzie, yeah. um, and then watch as that group starts to fracture over the sort of um, the forming of this type of cult or group or whatever yeah. in, in the post-event world. So yeah, I, I mean, I love that storyline. I love all of those actors. Missy Pyle is wild. It's great. And, and- and 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 sad. So I'm a general. My day job is a general manager, so my job is managing people and seeing that that dude, her boss, and just seeing the sweeping under the rug of the sexual harassment and and, and and sexual assault, and then seeing all that and the way he treated her, I was just like, I'm so glad I'm not that kind of person. But yeah, I also identify with the idea. Yeah, identify the idea that they're they're people. This is not a fake character. This is. You didn't actually base it on a specific person, but there is that exact same person somewhere in this United States doing the exact same thing that dude was doing and yeah. getting away with it and seeing that I can see how that transition for Roxanne can turn into hating, you know, in, in preaching this hate towards, uh, you know, men because of what she was dealt with at her job and so on and, and, and all that stuff too. Whereas she steals something and gets written up and the other guy, like, so stealing a, a, a Da, you know, dollar bin movie in sexually harassing someone is the exact same offense to that man. And it was just, uh, it made me cringe. And then going, you know, this show is fake, but like, that's not a fake situation in this world we live in. No, sadly, that's a situation that most women have yes. experienced. And also, I mean, he, I don't even no. think that guy is like a bad guy, really. No. I mean, right. I think he's right. just trying to get it, you know, Roxanne's a pain in the ass and like come on this girl who you're trying to protect like she's not even complaining like he's just trying to get through his day Mm -hmm. and not seeing the ways in which he is contributing to a terrible a you know a hostile work environment but also just like the powerlessness of this woman sitting Mm -hmm. before him saying like pay attention something bad is happening and he you know it was really important to me that her origin story not be some horrific thing that happened to yeah. her but actually just the many banal uh kind of micro terrible things that happen to women every single day mm-hmm. yep and i was saying that brings it like full circle to what you were saying before it's it's another like system of oppression that's built in to the structure so i mean because we're imagining this is like a walmart or whatever so i mean that that too is a system that really is built for a very specific hierarchy that is most mostly men so mm-hmm. i think even in that it's like i, I appreciated that scene because it, it kind of shows you how this is in every single place that you can think of those systems reach there as well yeah i mean i think you know corporations and capitalism are not designed necessarily to protect people but are designed to maximize profits Mm -hmm. and so for that guy roxanne is like create you know a she's taking up time and time is money and she's like making a you know making waves where there weren't waves before and it's just not you know he tells her that she's going to be put on notice for the law and order DVD. And he doesn't do that because he cares. He does it because he's like, basically shut up. Like, I don't want to hear this anymore. Yep. So it's like, this is a way for you to understand that if you keep coming to me with complaints about stuff like this, I am going to, uh, you know, you're done. Uh, Eliza, question for you. Did you say Law and Order because you actually were on Law and Order at one point, or is that is that a connection at all, or is that just well, uh, Easter egg? No, <laughs> we thought it was very. Fu- we liked the idea that Roxanne just like 
is a person who loves watching like cop dramas, not just on order, but like, you know, all of it, you know, true crime documentaries and whatever. And she watches, you know, the TLC marathons Mm -hmm. about like, you know, husbands who kill or whatever. Um, And that's her persona that she takes on is like that of a TV cop. Um, I, yes, I was on a law and order. I was the killer on a law and order. There you I was go. 15 years old. Yeah. See, and the, the funny thing, I loved also the point where it's like, you know, you can just watch law and order on TV. Like you don't, like you don't need the DVD. It's on the TV every day, all every, the time. At any time <laughs> you can turn on the TV yep. and you'll find it. Yeah. That's pretty funny. So, yeah, I mean, it, I, I do think one of my favorite things, you know, and I want to get on to quickly before we end this, I want to get on to the hopeful future of, of Why the Last Man. But I do think you guys are bringing up important issues and important topics to talk about in this world right now, but also keeping the story. Like, to me, it's not like it one overdoes the other. I mean, the storyline is going along. It's moving forward. I think it's a great show. It's bringing up, like I said, it's making me think, um, but it's not making me think with the downside of something else like you didn't remove something to put that in there it's like the story you know brian did a great job at the very beginning with the baseline and what you guys have adapted for for tv has been a great great uh, version of it uh that's making me think but also also making it enjoyable to watch at the same time i'm so glad because i don't want it to be like a lecture on oppressive systems i you know i i yes and i think that's part of what i'm you know I'm, I'm glad you say that because I think the story is an adventure and it's about relationships yep. and like, you know, Dr. Man and 355, like they got some yep. sexual tension going on and whatever, like yep. there's stuff going on in the show that is, it's character driven and all of these big ideas are um exciting to me but they're also told from the perspective of these characters and mm-hmm. that's why yes. I think you get into some really like kind of third rail issues because they're specific yep. people experiencing them and not just like, you know, let's, you know, a very special yep. episode on patriarchy or whatever. <laughs> like nobody wants to watch that. I certainly don't. Um, so yeah, I'm, thank you. I'm glad. Yep. No, and, and, and I really, and well, and truly, like, I, you know, not cause you came on the podcast. I, I, I think the writing is, is outstanding and I, I love dialogue driven fiction and I, and I, the first day I watched it, my wife's a history professor and I like ran in the other room and I was like, I was like, you got to watch the show. The writing's really tight. And that was like, right at the same time, Justin started, we were all watching it and talking about it. So the, the writing, the dialogue and the characters are like really outstanding. Thank you. Does your wife watch the show with you? She has not yet because I got ahead of her, but yeah. um, I told you her I'll go back and watch it. it. I, want her I know, okay. I know. I'll tell her she's got to start tonight. Exactly Great. right now. Yeah. You know, it's available on uh, on Hulu right now. FX on Hulu. It's available on Hulu, and people should watch it. Yes, I think that what I, what I, one of the reasons why I'm glad I'm reading it is because I feel like in one of the reasons why I want more show. It's mm-hmm. still on TV or still on Hulu. It's got one more episode, so this comes out on the 26th. There's one more next week, and yep. uh, because there's so much more, I want you to get into. There's so much more. Uh, you know, there's 60 issues of this comic that are out there. There's so much more I want you to play with, but I also want to see where you go. That's not in that. You know what I mean? Like there's definitely one of those things that you mentioned, Brian, giving you some freedom to do some of your own things. And like, I want to see where you go with other things that are moving forward. Um, what's it like? So what's the, what is your job right now? Is it trying to sell it to other places, like trying to contact other places? Or what are you currently having to do to get a second season? 
Yeah. I mean, we are, we're, you know, we're, we're doing, we're doing, we're doing that. I don't want to give too much away, but yes, we are, we are, we are doing the things that we need to be doing to find a new home. Um, and then, you know, the cast and I, I've also just never experienced this kind of camaraderie on a project. Like everybody, it, especially during COVID, it was so exciting to all of us to be doing something that felt like it mattered. Like we were saying something that mattered and right. that we were excited to be saying. Um, and so, you know, we do these live tweets, uh, live Twitter, whatever. I'm the, I'm not a social media person. We do a live <laughs> Twitter tweeting event on Monday nights. Uh, and then, you know, we're just sort of getting, trying to get the word out. That's the, I think it still is really important that people be watching the show. Yes. Um, and telling their friends to watch it. I, in some ways, I think, you know, I was, I, I was excited about the way that FX wanted to roll it out where it's, you know, three episodes and then one a week. Um, yep. Because I think, you know, there's something that's a little anticlimactic about working on something for two and a half years. And then it just yeah. drops all at once at this same. Oh, sure. I do think that this show is very bingeable and, uh, and that, you know, especially with a cast this large, you know, you're going away from a story for an episode and coming back, like it might be fun to watch it all at once. Um, so I hope people will do that because now they can, you know, there's nine episodes available right yep. now. Yep. Last one is coming on Monday, next week. And so, so was that the plan? I, mean, I know I started trying to figure, I wanted to ask this question too, I forgot to, but um, was the plan the whole time when you were filming this to release it this way? Or, I mean, I know things have changed over the past two and a half, three years. Uh, I know that like, basically everything two years ago was released all at once. And there was not, unless it was on network television, it was on a streaming service. Everything was released bingeable. And then like the Mandalorian came out on Disney plus and did it weekly. And, you know, Apple TV, Apple plus is there. They're doing things weekly now and, and so on. I did like the first three episodes to get you hooked, but I also yeah. liked the way I can talk. Adam and I can communicate back and forth during the week being like, did you see this episode? What's wonder what's going to happen? All that stuff. I, yep. I missed that part. And so was this originally the plan to do it the exact same way you just did it? Or was it decided I, afterwards? I mean, you know, that's, that's sort of like a, that is not a thing that like I'm involved in okay. that, you know, that's a sort of sure. a decision. And, um, but yeah, you know, at, at one point we were going to be on FX, like the actual yep. network and then, Hulu the next day. And then we were moved to FX on Hulu so that in some ways that was great. I mean, like scenes like the, you know, the bathing scene in episode mm -hmm. six that yeah. has all of these sort of, you know, I, that scene is really exciting to me uh, as a filmmaker or whatever, you know, yeah. like we did this kind of incredible female gaze thing, but there's a lot of nudity. We wouldn't have been able to do that on FX. Um, so yeah. And then I think, I think that I think that the doing it like a couple at once to get you hooked and then one a week is it's a it's an it's nice because it's like yes. nice to be able to have a, a conversation about the episode that aired that week. Um, at the same time, I do think that this show could also work mm -hmm. as all at once. Um, and you know what I really would love is like a bunch of people to like watch it in, in its entirety and be like, oh my god, I have to see more. Because yep. we do have to see more and we're going to find a place and we're going to yes. make more and it's going to be great. 
I can't wait. And it, so, and that's one of those things that, uh, you know, uh, I know it wasn't, it was somewhat of a surprise to you guys and, and, and it's not normal like this. I did read some sort of article online that says that this is not normal for something like this, especially for an FX or a streaming service. Cause it, some of it is bingeable. I have many people who have sold this show to say, Hey, you should watch this show that are waiting until yeah. the, until next week. And then Monday night, they'll might just like binge it all next week. Yeah. And so I know there's people who wait for the end of a show, something like this to binge it. And so I know this isn't a normal situation in most uh, streamable shows. Cause obviously they wait for numbers afterwards because of, you know, again, those people. Um, but I'm really looking forward to hopefully you finding a phone. You're going to find a new home. I'm not going to say hopefully. I'll just say, you know, FX has been a great partner and they, um, yes, I don't think it was a decision that they wanted to make on the timeline no. that they had to make it on. Um, and, you know, I pitched them a second season they were excited about. So it's, oh. it's, I think that uh, I've got it. It's ready to go. And we're going to make yep. it somewhere. It's going to be great. That's awesome. There was definitely a lot of, a lot of Twitter talk the night that the announcement came out of everybody wanting to make sure that they started a campaign to get it to a new home. So, so that's good. We'll try to. Yeah. I hashtag I, lives on. Exactly. There we go. See, and that's the funny thing is that, you know, making this show, even back when Brian wrote the book and Brian and PI made the book, they, they wouldn't be the same because you don't have this network yeah. of people that are watching it. It's like a decision made by a network, just, just made by a network and then it's done and it's moved on. Now we have the ability with social media and interactions via the internet to, to make the campaign to get another season made. I mean, people did that with man, was it manifest? Yeah. Manifest was the same way. Uh, Designated Survivor was another one where it was like canceled by the major network and picked up by Netflix. So, uh, which was kind of funny. You mentioning it going from FX to FX on Hulu. When I watched Designated Survivor, the first two seasons were definitely different than the third. <laughs> like when it went oh, to really? the third season, the first yeah. episode of the third season, like every other word was an F bomb. And it was like, oh, we're on streaming network now. Ah, now I understand. Cause it was like, you get, yeah. You get excited over. To, yes. to move over and because on the regular uh on right on basic cable you get like two yeah yeah yes. you get two <laughs> swear words and yeah. it was funny to see that but i also feel like in a show that's a post-apocalyptic show where people are dealing with stuff people are going to swear people are going to be bathing naked this is going to happen yeah. so i also being on a streaming network uh to allow for it to be in its most real and raw form uh, is yep. does it wonder? So I think you actually succeeded oh, sure. by getting it on Hulu instead of just on the FX network. For sure. I mean, totally. I, totally. I filter myself on here, but I always think five minutes of my regular daily life wouldn't yes. be on mainstream cable because oh, yeah. I would drop the f bomb like fourteen times. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So yeah, it's on FX on Hulu, um, and you're on social media now, right? You have. Uh, I am. At, yeah, I'm on. Uh, I'm on Instagram at the Eliza Clark. And you have Twitter as well. And, you know, I, I, I'm sorry. Have, no, that's Twitter. That's my that's Twitter, Twitter handle. It's yes. the yeah. Eliza Clark. Yeah. Eliza Clark Twitter. My other one, I don't even know. It doesn't yeah. matter. You can find uh, me on it. Yeah. I'm there. Yeah. But Twitter is the where, where you at. If you want to complain about how awful the show is, no, <laughs> how much you Please hate don't. the show. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> get, let's Please give her don't. some praises. All the people who listen to our show give her praises because she deals with enough bull, bull from other people who give her crap for what she's doing, uh, the great work that she's doing over there. Uh, at Why the Last Man. So we're really happy uh, you're doing that. We're really happy for you to be on. It was very exciting. Thank you. This was so fun. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, anything else you want to plug at all? I mean, you just, is that it? Why the Last Man right now? Why the Last Man? Let's watch it, yep. guys. Yes, Let's absolutely. So yeah. uh, I mean, there's there's a new one out like 
just came right out well, today, right? Well, today's Tuesday. This show, will, this air will air on Tuesday. So there is currently an episode you can watch. All there you or, go. You know, and there's one more in the following week, uh, which is the season finale. And then yep. we are yeah. uh, looking for news after season two is announced on what network it is. We'll get you back on and talk about that. Awesome. I would love to. I'll, I'll give awesome. some teases about what season two will be. All right. Awesome. Thanks for yes. having me. Thank you yeah, very much, Eliza. So much.